Welcome back to the Family Movie Night Podcast. This is episode 31, and in honor of the movie we are watching today, Bumblebee, uh, from the Transformers universe. Uh, but this one is actually set, I believe, in 1987, it says. I want to ask my wonderful co-host here, uh, what is your favorite piece of 80s nostalgia in this movie so we're just going to go straight up to favorite piece of 80s nostalgia why don't we start with uh of course our returning co-host here heidi cooper uh why don't you tell us a little bit what, what's your favorite piece of nostalgia in this movie so for me it definitely is the music the oh, music yeah. in this stuff. was awesome yeah yeah uh was there a particular song that just stood out to you that you just remember being like this this right here captures 80s experience take on me Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hard not to. For me, it's everybody wants to rule the world. I think Tears for Fears is like the greatest '80s band of all time. They're just yeah, they're knocking <laughs> it out of the park. So, hey, next up, let's talk to the villain of our po- a podcast. Uh, but uh, you know, we we talked earlier uh, before we were filming about how Angela Bassett is kind of hidden in this movie as the queen villain and uh we'll talk about that more later but i do not feel like it is appropriate for sawyer to get to have that level of bossness uh, and swagger to himself so he's gonna have to be one of the lower level villains in this movie so i'm gonna make you a drop kick which was played by justin thoreau i i just want it to be known i I am Angela Bassett always, okay? I, <laughs> that that okay, is that absolutely is not... incorrect. Okay, so go ahead. Uh, Sawyer uh, Hewlett, uh, what is uh, the piece of nostalgia you are in love with? Honestly, the clothes. All the characters, yeah. like, this is, like, something that gets really underrated in movies, like, aiming for nostalgia. Like, you know, Stranger Things, people just wear, like, jeans and maybe have, like, frizzy hair and stuff like that. Yeah. This movie, like, she has, like, a crappy shirt on, and she has, like, bangs and stuff like that. It's it's very 80s. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I will say, they this absolutely killed it. The denim jacket with yeah. the cut-off sleeves, she's just killing it every second. I love it. Especially, well, whatever. All right. Donnie Dorsey, uh, hero of our podcast. Well, well, hit us with it, man. What's your favorite piece of nostalgia in this? I think it's honestly, like, the, the electronics and the things. Oh, like yeah. you know, like having the tape deck and everything, yeah. and like the the television with the bunny ears, like and yeah, and all the the older stuff. Where I'm like, man, I remember actually using some of these things. <laughs> yes, I love that they have a juicer at one point. Yes, <laughs> it's like a, one of those legit juicers that they're making a whole deal out of it. Uh, did, did anyone? I know not a lot of us grew up in the '80s. That might be we're, we're all young. Did anyone have a who, who are you talking podcast? about? You? I don't know. I I was not I was born at the end of the 80s, but I'm pretty sure both Donnie and Heidi were alive for parts okay. of the 80s. Yes, yes. Did Go you ahead. guys have a Walkman? Yes. Oh, oh yeah. Dude, I had a Walkman in 1995. Oh, really? Dang. Oh, yeah, man. With yeah, take- it was the wa- first was the Walkman, were- then you got the then you got the CD player with the anti-skip, and you were you I were- did have that. I did have a CD. No, player. I had yeah, we but we had tape cassette walkmans yeah. i mean yeah 100 percent. i brought my dad to your favorite part of the song and hoping yes. that you didn't miss I, it i destroyed my dad's hootie and the blowfish because <laughs> <laughs> i listened to it too many times oh and you like record record like the radio playing oh like on our cassettes and then so we could listen to our favorite song without That's having right. to wait for it to come on the radio i exactly. called into a radio station and got them to say nathan requested this song and i recorded them saying 
<laughs> Nathan requested this song. And if I'm honest, I don't know this 100%. I think it was Radio Disney. So. Oh. <laughs> Welcome back to the Family Movie Night Podcast, where we want to help your family have better conversations around the content you consume. My name is Nathan, and I am joined, as always, by Heidi Cooper, Donnie Dorsey, and Sawyer Hewlett here on the podcast uh, to talk about uh, what is just an absolutely delightful film uh, from the Transformers universe. But I'll say this, if uh, you are not a Transformers fan or you have not seen any of the Transformers films, I think you would just absolutely love this movie anyway. So uh, do not watch, do not watch, uh, do not skip it if you are not a uh, Transformers fan. But I'll tell you a little bit about what it's about. Uh, on the run in the year 1987, when Joshua Tree was just destroying the charts, Bumblebee, the Autobot, seeks refuge in a junkyard in a small California beach town. Charlie, on the brink of turning 18 years old and trying to find her place in the world, soon discovers the battle-scarred and broken Bumblebee. When Charlie revives him, she quickly learns that this is no ordinary yellow Volkswagen. And so uh, this is a movie uh, with a lot of great themes and just a really enjoyable time. But before we get to that, uh, Donnie, why don't you tell them what we do on this podcast? Yeah, so on this podcast, we encourage every family at Community Christian Church to have a monthly movie night to help you and your children build memories, start conversations that matter. And the goal of our family ministry is to help you raise your children to love Jesus and his way of life above all other things. And we know that critical to that is for you to have a routine, regular time of connection and shared experiences that will help you build stronger relationships. And, you know, movie nights are great opportunities to do that because Movies are not just an easy way to share laughter and joy and, and even fear and sadness in a safe environment, but they also give us a chance to talk about what matters most to us in a way that's meaningful and memorable with our children. And uh, on this podcast, we we not only want to recommend some movies to you to watch on your monthly movie night, but uh, but give you some ideas of meaningful conversations that you could have with your children during or after the movie. And as always, the point of this podcast is not to add one more thing to your list of things to do as a parent that you know makes you feel guilty because you're not doing enough. Um, we want to make it easier for you and your kids to enjoy being together so that you can build memories and have conversations that matter. So throughout our conversation today, just remember that we want to have fun and help you think of simple and easy ways to share your love of Jesus with your kids. And we think this movie is a great way to do that. So we want to just start by talking about this movie uh, because sometimes uh, I know we spend the majority of the podcast talking about the themes and the ideas behind it. And that really is important. Uh, but it also is just important for you and your kids to have a good, fun night watching a movie, laughing together, uh, being excited, shocked together. So this movie, we think, does that. So uh, let's just talk about what we like about this movie. This is Bumblebee from 2018, directed by Travis Knight. I think this is his first 
uh, live action movie. He was uh, known for directing uh, a lot of the Leica studio films. So uh, Kubo and the Two Strings is a movie that he directed, which is just a really phenomenal uh, uh, little, uh, it's like claymation, stop motion animation movie. Uh, he worked on a bunch of their films, and I think he brings that to this. It's very visually, uh, it's the bet to me, even though the other ones were directed by Michael Bay and have his normal flourishes, this is the best looking, uh, it's very clear what's happening in the movie. Uh, and so uh, I'm a fan of it. I'll have a little more to say about it, but uh, uh, Donnie, why don't you start, hero of our podcast here, why don't you, why don't you tell us uh, what is it you enjoyed about Bumblebee? I just, I mean, of course, I like the nostalgia. I love how they were able to have a film in modern day that was able to capture so much of a different era. And yeah. I mean, the actors that they chose were great. Um, I thought the story was like through and through just pretty consistent. Um, I didn't get, I didn't get lost in it. I didn't get like distracted by other things. It was just, I just thought it was entirely enjoyable, honestly. Yeah, and it's in and, and and you were talking about it being a uh, a modern movie that's able to capture this. I think what this movie does so well in that regards is this feels like an '80s movie. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't just look like an '80s movie; it feels like it. In fact, the only kind of missteps I think in this movie are when they kind of bring some of the modern sensibilities to it, some of the kind of jokiness. You know, a lot of those '80s movies had this um, sincerity about them. Yeah. You know, it felt like we're taking this seriously. It really matters. It feels very weighty and emotional. Uh, and there's a lot of things like Stranger Things, which kind of uh, ape a lot of like visuals from the 1980s, but very much feel like a Netflix drama that's made today. This feels to me like it was made in the 80s, just with better visuals. I mean, would you yeah. agree with that, Donnie? Yeah, I don't disagree at all. I think I think you're right. I mean, I think it does do that very well. All right. So Sawyer Hewlett. Villain of our podcast did did this movie being as heartfelt and heartwarming and genuine and sweet did it just disturb you as the villain of the podcast or did it warm your cold dead heart just a little bit? No, uh, you know you you described in the opening you described this movie as delightful and I think that is a a perfect summation of this movie. Um, I it gives off um, kind of um, Sam Raimi and the first two Spider Man movie vibes in my opinion. Um, you know, like Spider-Man as a character is supposed to be this quippy, um, fun, smart, quick, quick on his tongue guy. And instead in those two movies, Tobey Maguire plays a very, um, not very quippy, slow to speak and like quick to listen person. And I feel like that's kind of what this movie is trying to do. It's not trying to like be super deep. And in doing so, it is deep because it allows the audience to kind of just sit with these characters for extended periods of time. There's a great sequence where Bumblebee is in Charlie's house and it's just him exploring this world. And like this movie gets compared to E.T. all the time. It's very, very apt comparison. It's just it's a very, very delightful, sweet movie that also has some really fun robot action in John Cena. Well, and I'll say this about what you're what you're saying there, Sawyer. I think, and, and this goes a little bit to the themes of this movie, but this movie is really about how do you, how do you become the kind of person who goes through something difficult, something tragic. Uh, Charlie has lost her father, and it's really about how she goes through that, and how do you do that without becoming um, 
uh, cold and kind of isolated to the rest of the world. And I think you were saying the thing about whether the movie is deep or not, uh, or you know how it how it becomes deep. And I think this movie actually is a movie that has an emotional depth to it that works because it wears its heart on its sleeve. Most modern movies, and I would say most modern people, uh, we tend to prefer movies that think they're smarter than the audience. Uh, that are constantly making fun of how stupid things in the movie are. Like, isn't it stupid that we're doing this? And isn't it crazy that we have robots and all this kind of stuff? This is a movie, except for a, a few moments, really is is playing up the genuineness of, of what the characters are feeling. And it cares about what the characters... And I honestly think uh, the movie is doing what it's prescribing for people to do. There is a way in which when you go through difficult circumstances you become very sarcastic and cold and you almost view life as a as an outsider, as a spectator. And this movie is really trying to say, uh, hey, don't be a spectator. Wear your heart on your sleeve. Get invested in life. And I think this movie does it because this is a movie that is not sarcastic. This is a movie that is not, hey, isn't it stupid that we're making a movie about uh, Transformers? Like there's a movie that just takes that as what it is and then moves on. I think it's I think it's great in that sense. All right, hi. And that, oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say that's like that's what makes ET so good. Is is it a movie about an alien that gets stranded on Earth? Yes, but it's also a movie about a kid who's a par- who's a kid of divorce and finds a friend who they can relate to and stuff like that. No, I agree. So I think I think I think it works on that end. All right, Heidi Cooper. Uh, you watched this movie and uh, you, you watched it last night. So the yeah. freshest on your mind. What is it that you enjoyed about this movie? So um, I think the thing that I enjoyed the most was that you see how they, the main characters, like uh, one good example is where Bumblebee starts attacking everybody um, when he finally breaks free and she gets him, you know, back going and he's, he gets angry and he starts blowing everyone up. And then she kind of connects with him and reminds him like, hey, that that's not the way you need to be. And I think the thing that it kind of showed me throughout is that like we all have our moments where we can be, you know, we can manifest evil or we can manifest good. And it's like what we choose to do. So in this they're both like facing like these, you know, tremendous challenges. He's separated from his whole you know, family or community. And she feels the same way because she's lost her dad. Um, And so I think like that was what was cool to me was that it shows them kind of at their worst and then also shows them be able to come past that and be able to do something positive with it. Yeah. Well, and that really gets to the themes of what we want to talk about. So I'll throw this in before we get to our themes. Uh, This I was sharing with the the guys before. This is one of these uh, movies for me that uh, is just very precious to me and my wife. Uh, my wife and I have been foster parents since uh, 2018. And um, uh, we knew we were getting a placement on December 26th, day after Christmas, 2018. This movie came out the 21st. And so on Christmas Eve, we took uh, our, our our at the time, our only child um, to the movies to see Bumblebee. And she was two and a half. And she just had this she was just laughing and all, you know, it's just very sweet. She was really into the movie. And it's one of those moments as a parent uh, that I, honestly, to me, is what makes this podcast so special is the way that movies and things like that can kind of stick in your head and help you to just capture that feeling of being a parent. Uh, this movie is very precious because it was the last time we were going to really be just a family of three. And there's this kind of, you know, both 
sweetness of that. We're very excited of where God's taking us on this journey of being foster parents. But there's also, you know, that little bittersweet part that's like, oh, you know, here's my here's my little only child. And there's a there's a kind of special way our family is just as a family of three. And we always look back at that as being a very fond memory of just this special time that's never coming back. Uh, but I'm so glad we experienced it. And, you know, I think movies give us a chance to do that. They they kind of capture these periods because it's not just what the movie is. It is where you were at when you saw that movie. There are movies that all of us like that we know are terrible movies, but we watched the movie and because of where we were in our stage of life, that movie is precious to us. Uh, and that's, that's how this movie is for me. So, uh, anyway, let's talk about the themes of this movie and really uh, what kind of conversations you can have with your kids around uh, Bumblebee. And so Bumblebee is really a movie, as I've already mentioned, Charlie in the movie um, is uh, an, a 17-year-old about to turn 18. And uh, I don't remember if they say exactly when she, I think she's in like middle school when her father dies because she's already on this on the dive team. Uh, she's already uh, doing this. And I think it's right after like, one of her competitions that her dad passes away and her mother has now, I think boy has a boyfriend. Is it a, it's not a husband, correct? I think it's a boy. Does anyone remember this? I think, I think, no, I think at some point he doesn't he um, propose or he talks about proposing or something. Oh yeah. They're in, they're in that kind of period where like that it's a very serious relationship. Yeah. And she has not, she does not want to accept him. Uh, she's mad at her mom that her mom seems to have moved on from her dad. And she's kind of in this place of just being stuck. She yeah. doesn't want to move forward. She she wants to not leave this moment of grief. And so what we think this, this movie does is it is a great opportunity to talk to your kids about uh, when tragic things happen, when, when things happen that you don't really plan and life doesn't go your way. How do you move forward after that? And it may be grief. It may be the loss of someone you love. It may be a divorce um, when when you're a child raised um, in a family where maybe there's a divorce going on, or maybe you're the parent and you are you are divorced and you're trying to help your kids reconcile. How do I move forward in the middle of all of this? Or maybe they've just lost a best friend, or maybe you guys just moved and they feel like they left everybody. Something happens in their life that they feel like life will never be the same. And this movie really helps us to talk about that. So, Sawyer, why don't you op uh, start up and maybe kind of fill them in on some details. I think the um, uh, the analogy she used of she never dives again. She was she loved diving. She loved that. But she never does it again because that's she, she doesn't want to return to that moment. Um, but by the end of the movie, she actually uses that to be a kind of triumphant thing. So can you talk about how the movie gives us an... Uh, talks just about this idea of moving on past tragic circumstances? Yeah. So easily, my favorite aspect of the movie is this communal at like necessity that both these characters have. We've got Charlie, who is struggling to move on. And we've got Bumblebee, who is almost like a scared little kid in the movie. And yeah, he gets separated and from his team back on uh, their home planets being destroyed, very Superman-esque. He gets sent away, right? And he feels he feels isolated, separate. He's alone. He's lost his voice, which is obviously very thematic for this character of Charlie, who feels powerless. Uh, so, yeah. So they're very much uh, mirror images. They're foils of each yeah. other. So and, 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 you know, there's a great scene 
where you know she and bumblebee are bonding and there there's kind of this third boy that has a crush on charlie and stuff like that and uh and they played that up really well by the way throughout the movie um but what i what i love about this one scene is bumblebee takes them to the edge of this cliff where there's this high school party happening and and it's a bunch of kids that have kind of been i, I don't want to say bullies too okay by today's standards they're definitely bullies by 80s movie standards they're like best friends but still like th- like she's very insecure around them understandably so they're not nice and bumblebee is like hey they're like trying to egg you on to dive. You're strong enough to do that. Okay. And I just love this idea that they're both receiving a person in their life that's going to push them back to the healthy version of themselves. I was, I just, I kept thinking, and like Bumblebee's made of metal. So, like, it's very thematic. Kind of like as iron sharpens iron, so one friend sharpens a friend. Like, that's what I got from this movie is the thing. We have two people, two characters that are very dull. Um, in a spiritual sense and in a personal sense and stuff like that. And they're sharpening each other. Charlie is acting as Bumblebee's voice throughout the movie and, and also guiding him while he is kind of injecting her with confidence and stuff like that. And then by the end of the movie, when she actually does dive to save Bumblebee, it's this great triumphant moment. And, uh, and oh gosh, there's a moment in the end right before Bumblebee has to be saved where the two of them are both running from my character, Angela Bassett. And, and it's this great, great moment where like you see the two of them both terrified, but both kind of like in tandem, in sync, you know? Um, so I just, I love that aspect of community that the movie is aware of. So I think here's how you end up having this kind of conversation with your kids. I, I agree. I think the movie, it talks about how when I go through a difficult circumstance, Charlie at the beginning of the movie, she wants to isolate. And I think we see this with our kids a lot of times. You know, they go from elementary school to middle school and their body is changing or they've lost a friend group or something happened and it just feels a little tragic to them. Uh, The nature of many kids is to turn in on themselves and say, I just don't want to engage with the rest of the world, right? Um, My my parents just got a divorce and I just just want to be alone. I just want to be by myself. But this movie really hits on Charlie can never heal. She can never re-enter the world until she has, she lets people in, until she has a community. And for us to be able to say to our kids, hey, I know you've been going through a tough time. I have one kid who this is her thing. When she uh, is struggling with something, uh, or when she really is just having a very emotional week, she turns in on herself. She won't let anyone in. She won't tell anybody. Now, she lashes out occasionally, right? There will be a temper tantrum. There will be something come up, but she turns in on herself. And regularly, the conversation we try to have is, you got you to tell me. You, you, we got to be able to talk. And whatever level that is, if you just want to come and just get a hug, if you just want to come and lay with me and just say, Daddy, I'm upset. I don't want to talk about it. But just having the ability to be able to say to our kids, don't isolate because Jesus it does not intend for you to deal with your suffering alone. Right. Um, so, uh, Donnie, you're, you're, you're shaking your head a lot. Do you have something you want to add to that or? You- no, I think you hit it right on the nail. I mean, I think it's, it's that idea is that a lot of times, and I think it's, I mean, even as adults, we have the tendency to sometimes feel like we have to turn inward for a lot of the things we need. But a lot of times, if, I mean, if you look at what, Jesus said Jesus was always in community. And the only time he was not in community was times where he was connecting directly with God. Mm-hmm. And so, and a lot of times we think the opposite. We're like, oh, well, when I 
when I'm this way, I need to be as far away from people as possible. But sometimes you need, it's almost like that, that boundary of people where it's like, you're not going to act certain ways around certain people. And so you're going to kind of quell it a little bit. And maybe as long as you have a very honest relationship with that person, you'll be able to be like, Hey, look, I just need you to be here. Like you were saying, like, I just need you to be present with me. I don't need you to say anything. I don't need you to tell me that I'm wrong or right. I just need you to sit here with me. Yeah. Well, and I think that's huge. And I just think it's a matter of helping our kids to understand because ultimately as parents, it's what we want. Uh, I think, I think what we want as parents is that they never, ever feel sad. Exactly. Uh, I mean, I didn't understand that really till I was a dad, the idea that like, it breaks my heart sometimes to think of the fact that one of my, my, my daughters is going to know what it's like for other girls to, uh, to spread a rumor about her or for, you know, any of those kind of things, like it just breaks my heart. But at the same time, the truth is I don't want to remove those things from her because life, their suffering is part of living in a broken world. What I want is I want her to be able to let me in on that, to let yeah. me be a part of it, to let me be up beside her and just hold her or talk to her. But we as parents have to start modeling that and, and helping them to, we have to be a safe place for them. And sometimes I think we have to be a safe place, even when their emotions aren't pretty or always that respectful. Now, I'm not saying we don't teach our kids, hey, you have to speak to me with respect. But I know a lot of times when a kid is really angry, because some kids, the way they deal with tragedies become very angry and they maybe lash out towards you. Your first one, mm, nope, mm, mm, here's the consequence, get out of here. Yeah. Or our first response is, let me just cuddle you and make you feel whatever. There is a middle line of saying, okay, let's try that again. Let's try that again where you say it to me in a more respectful way. But because if I shut you down, when you are trying to express, hey, I'm really upset, I'm really frustrated, and I'm I'm eight or I'm 14, and I don't know how to express this hurt in a respectful and kind way. Mm-hmm. We as parents have to be the bigger person in that situation and sit with our kids' messy emotions because there is a way in which, and you can see the mom character in this movie, she's trying to rush her daughter through this. Hey, accept this new guy. Hey, accept this new thing. And she she is obviously going through her own grieving, losing a husband. But she has already moved to the spot of ready to move on. And she just wants her daughter to return back to normal. Heidi, can you talk to this idea of the goal for our kids is not to, to, to try and convince them that there is a way to get back to life the way it was before the tragedy. Uh, that you're actually moving forward to something that's new. A life in light of the divorce, a light in light of the fact that you don't have that friend anymore, a life in light of the fact that X, Y, Z, right. Can can you talk to that? Yeah, definitely. I think that, um, throughout, um, any child's life, no matter how much, you know, like you were talking about protecting them and sheltering them and things like that. And it's always our, our instinct to want to do that. However, most of the things that they will experience are first of all, out of our control. And so we're kind of kidding ourselves thinking that we can, you know, protect them from it. And, um, and they're, they're actually really good for them. It's character defining moments. Like you see in this movie where you, she chooses one thing and then through, you know, these connections and through this relationship, she establishes, she realizes like, Hey, I can't, I I can't help my friend that I've now made without helping myself, you know, without getting past some of the things that I'm stuck on. I think that's absolutely 
essential for our kids. It's how they learn to navigate this world that is broken and that is does you know um, bring pain and and trouble and challenges um, you know consistently. And so I think yeah. that's really good to kind of help our kids see that those things don't have to be um, <clears throat> like uh, it, it things have changed, but they are still good. Yeah, that God is bringing something good, but the good is a, it's a new thing. Our family, right. our family will never look the same again. You right. Know? And 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 maybe it is. Maybe it's a divorce. Maybe it's a death. Maybe it's something. But it doesn't mean our family now has to be bad. This may not be the way God intended it to be. But this doesn't mean that what is new. And we kind of talked about this with the cheaper by the dozen episode. What is what is new doesn't have to be bad or rejected. Uh, I can find ways to bring what. How do I meet God in the middle of this messy situation? You know. Well, and I think the 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 other side to that is that you, when we start looking to meet God in it um, or His community in it, then we realize it's been there. You know, like yes. He's been there, He's waiting, and He's He's ready to show us how to move through these things um, that we're challenged with if we choose to look for Him. Yeah. Well, and I think this is a really complicated idea to get across to children. So we're really talking about it to try and help the parents get it clear in their mind. Uh, so if you're a parent listening, the way I would say it to your kid is, I know I know you wish you could go back. I know you wish you could go back. Because uh, I know, especially, just once again, I think honestly, probably the most common uh, situation kids in our church, just because I know from doing youth ministry for 10 years in our church, it's not going to be the death of a parent, although that happens. It's not the most common. The most common is going to be divorce. And what often where kids end up sitting in the midst of that is, I wish I could just get my mom and dad back together. I w- and they just live in that place. They just live stuck. I don't want to move on. I don't want to. I don't want to do this. And being able to kind of help our kids realize this is messy. And so you, I want to be your community for this. And I want you to have a community. I want you to talk to people at church about things you feel like you can't talk to me about, right? Because especially in a divorce situation, I'm part of it. Right. As I I as mom or I as dad, you may have feelings about me that you need to talk to someone else about. So I want to get you around to people. And that's scary as a parent. That is scary as a parent. Sometimes we just wish the feelings would go away and I don't even want to talk about it. But being able to trust, hey, I have a community of brothers and sisters in Christ that I know are not going to teach my kid to hate me. Or to be mad at me for what I've done, but to teach them how to deal with these emotions in a way that honors God and that moves forward. And so I think community is a huge part of it. I think what uh, Heidi said, like, hey, this new thing is, you know, we've talked before on here about kintsugi pottery, right? Pottery that gets broken. And then uh, it's a Japanese art form. They mend it back together with pieces of gold. And so what actually is happened is that previous piece of pottery that was whole and perfect the way it was supposed to be is less valuable than the broken pottery that God that gets put back together by the master potter. And so it's not that God wanted the divorce to happen. It's not that God wanted the tragedy to happen. It's that God is such a powerful potter. He is such a wise and crafty person. He can make what's new beautiful. And that's the way I would try to talk about our kids. I wouldn't say, hey, God made this bad thing happen. Or, hey, God wanted this bad thing to happen. Because sometimes we're trying to defend decisions we've made by saying, oh, this was a good decision. This was a right decision. I don't have to defend mine. Make God the hero. God is so good that even though this bad thing happened, 
God can mend this and make this better and beautiful. And that's that's a powerful thing to do for your kids. Donnie, what were you going to say? Well, I was going to say like, and on top of like when we're communicating and like creating that safe space is very important, especially as a parent to, to speak from personal experience, especially if you have it in those areas, yeah. because it's that level of connection of going, Hey, this person that I respect and that loves me very much has went through this and they're, and they were able to see, make it to the other side of this, because yes. I think it's, it's very easy as a parent to not want to show your the the chinks in your armor, so to speak, because you want to be the superhero and the the one that saves the day. But I think it's one of those things where in those weaknesses or those missteps or those things where just things didn't go as planned, that you're able to show that you, that good can still come from it. Because well, I mean, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Because I mean, you can go through like numerous ones of the in the Bible of people that went through hardships and had things that were definitely not on their plan of things that were going to happen. And God was like, okay, I'm going to take this and I'm going to make this like you were talking about. I'm going to make this new. I'm going to make this better. I'm going to use it for my glory. And I'm like, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, and that's what we want. And, and this goes once again, just to the community. Cause I think the community is a part of it. There will be things your kids go through that you can't personally speak into. But when you have other brothers and sisters in Christ and, and you're in their life and you know, they are able to speak to things. So I'll just talk about my situation. I have three of my children because they're adopted. They're growing up in a situation that is completely foreign to me. I can't necessarily relate on what's it like to have a birth parent and not be able to be with them. But I have multiple people from our church family that that is their story. Not that they were adopted, but they didn't. Uh, one person in particular regularly takes my daughters out for lunch and will just sit and just say, hey, I know exactly what it's like to not get to grow up with your birth mom. I know exactly what that's like. And to grow up in a family and you're thankful for your new family, but you're sad about your old family. That's something as dad that I can speak into, but I'm not coming from a personal thing. And I'm so thankful to have this sister in Christ who will who will have that conversation in a way that would say the things to her that I wish I could say to them that I can't. Same difference. I have uh, two, two of my daughters are, um, they are biracial, they're black and white. There are experiences that they will go through because of the color of their skin that I can't, I can speak into and I can say what God would say, but I've not personally experienced. And so once again, I have black brothers and sisters in Christ who uh, can come around my children and be able to have those conversations. The goal is not for you as the parent to be able to do it all yourself. The goal as the parent is that you would point your children to Jesus and his church, that it's this community of the church that really gives our kids the wholeness they need. So you as a parent, I would use this as an example. If you know stories from your kids' teachers or other adults that you feel like they would be comfortable with you sharing, say, hey, I know you're in this, you know, that person went through the same kind of thing. Maybe you could talk to them. Maybe you could go go have lunch with them and maybe they could help you understand how to do it. That is only good for your kid. There is nothing that can come bad from them knowing other believers have triumphed in that. All right, we're running low on time. So I want to talk about one other aspect that Donnie actually noticed that I think is huge. And uh, I want to talk about this. This idea of redemptive suffering. It's this idea of not letting your suffering make you angry and hostile 
and aggressive to the world around you. I mentioned before the book by Howard Thurman, uh, Jesus and the Disinherited. It's actually the book that Martin Luther King Jr. carried with him in his pocket while he was doing civil rights work. It was that critical to him. And in this book, uh, Howard Thurman talks about this idea that people who are persecuted, people who are oppressed, people who have lots of suffering in their lives, you can really go one of two ways. You can begin to kind of see yourself as uh, life is so unfair and you see everything in life through the lens of how your suffering affects you and it makes you angry and it makes you bitter and it makes you hostile towards other. But he said there's another way that you can allow Jesus to transform your suffering and suddenly you're seeing through a different lens and you're seeing how you can help other people. People who've gone through the same thing, be able to say to your kids, hey, I know that this divorce is really hard, but you know that, like we said, there are other people who have gone through it and maybe now you have a level of compassion for other kids who are going through the same thing. You can be the person for them that we were just describing earlier. You can be the person to relate to them. So Donnie, you noticed something in the movie about Bumblebee's eyes that we thought just fit perfect with this. So you want to talk about that and then talk a little bit about that idea? Yeah, so like if, um, when I was watching the movie, I kind of noticed that whenever Bumblebee was kind of out of control, out of control of his emotions or his anger, his eyes were always red. But when he was in a protective mode, trying to protect the people and he was doing things for the sake of just not to hurt, but to keep from harm, yeah. you know, his eyes were blue. And I thought that was so key because I was talking with my kids about it. And I said, I was like, you see how when his eyes are red, he's not in control of his emotions. He's not in control of what's happening. He's just reacting to the situation around him. But when his eyes turn blue, you can see that he's not trying to harm the person in front of him. He is simply seeing that he has someone that he cares for that he wants to protect along with himself. And he is just trying to defend them not to bring them harm. And I thought that was so key. And it was a cool little conversation I had with them about like, there's a difference between, you know, handling those emotions and how yeah. those, how it looks on the outside. Well, and I think what you're saying there, Donnie, that is just huge for our kids is to be able to say to them, you can flip the switch of what this situation means to you. You can change your eyes. You can change how you see this. And you can either see this as evidence that your life is harder than everyone else's and that the world is cosmically unfair to you and that everyone else is just trying to take advantage of you and get things that you know, you can become the kind of person who's just angry and wants to hurt, you know, hurt people, hurt people. You can become the kind of hurt person who just wants to make other people feel about it. We regularly have our girls say this phrase when they get really, when they do something to try and make one of their sisters mad, which, you know, that's a normal little kid thing, right? I'm mad at you, so I want to make you mad too, is they have to say, I was mad and I just didn't want to be the only person who was mad. That there's a thing in me that when I'm hurt, it feels unfair that I'm the only one who's hurting. So someone else should have to hurt too. And I said, that is never what Jesus wants you to do. What you should do is go, I'm hurt. So let's heal together. Let's heal together. Let's, I want to be healed and I want you to heal. And I think being able to, to do that, and that's where suffering becomes redemptive, right? It becomes, it makes something better. It becomes all a part of this. So these are big conversations. We're, we're not expecting you to have them all with your kids, but be able to take any of this, be able to get your kids to see, hey, good things can come out of bad. Hey, don't isolate when bad things happen. Hey, don't become someone who hurts other people when you're hurt. All of that's really important. Uh, but before we wrap this whole thing up, uh, 
I wanted to give Sawyer a chance to try and defend to me why John Cena is a good choice for this movie. Uh, I So this will be our little debate here. Uh, I'm just going to say, I think John Cena is a terrible choice for this movie. And I'll say my reasons why, but I want to say Sawyer, he, he wanted to talk about John Cena. So let's go ahead. J- Sawyer, just, okay. just get your, lavish your love on John yeah. Cena. So here's my thing. John Cena in this movie is fulfilling the role that we were never given in that Arnold Schwarzenegger was never in a Steven Spielberg movie is the thing. Imagine (laughs) if, imagine if in commando, imagine if the main character of commando or predator, Amanda, imagine if Dutch from predator show was, was the actual villain of ET. If he was the, the doctor scientist guy. Um, and, and that's, that's the pitch. Okay. And your pitch, your pitch for this movie is to have an Austrian bodybuilder, be John Cena or for John Cena to be an Austrian bodybuilder, former that, governor of California. I'm saying that they, they would do the same thing. If our, if Arnold was an ET, he would be doing the exact same thing that John Cena is doing here. Okay. It's this hammy, ridiculous performance that like, there's no way that any military guy is that jacked, regardless of how jacked military dudes are. They're not that big, but it's kind of fun. Okay. It's it's a very um fast and furious vibe that John Cena gives off in this movie that Arnold would also give off in ET person. Okay. Here's my argument for why all of that makes no sense. Uh, oh, it doesn't make sense. I'm not claiming that it makes sense. No, here's here's my point. John Cena can't play anyone other than John Cena. I think he's great, but Peacemaker is basically John Cena playing John Cena if he was this like vigilante murdering psychopath right uh john cena in this movie is playing john cena and it feels completely out of character the whole time i'm going why is john cena in this movie i don't even i don't even know his character do you know what his character name is no no okay so you did what i did why is john cena talking to the decepticon (laughs) not why is special agent jack burns that's actually his name oh my gosh so anyway, so generically stupid. Oh yes. my god! So, but I will say this: I, I will defend Sawyer on this for one point of this. Okay. So, in the context of what he's talking about, there is an essence of that character that, as a military person and a person that is simply meant to defend people, he's exactly what you would want or expect in the military. Yes. Yeah. That you would you would you would certainly want him to say you can't see me, which I thought he was going to say one time. Oh, in this movie. I kept wondering, that, like, wh- when is he going to put on cargo shorts? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when, when, that would have been very meta of the movie if they would have done that, which would have been hilarious. Why? Why is John Cena not wearing cargo shorts? This why is he? Time? Why is he supposed to be this military guy wearing a white t-shirt? Why? Why is he? Why is he not rapping at, out of out of out of oh, nowhere God. in the middle of this? <laughs> All right. Well, very good. Hey, we wanted to have fun with this right here at the end. But hey, we hope you guys have great conversations that help your children love Jesus and his way of life even more. Because if you can just help them to embrace um, these ideas around what it means to live life with Jesus, it makes Jesus even more beautiful. And so we that's ultimately what we want as parents. So we hope you have a great conversation. We'll see you next time.